Gina Della from Pella through June 30th at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Choose 40% off installation or six-year no-interest financing. Get details now at PellaWI.com slash radio or 855-PELLA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, an abbreviated program today, about two hours. Then we go out to Game 3 and the game between the first place... Milwaukee Brewers and the Colorado Rockies. Mike Spaulding, seems like the last couple of days we've been talking about, um, I'm sorry, they play, play Arizona. Arizona, um, who reversed, they were lost, what, 17 games in a row, and they won two nights ago, and then the Brewers won. Um, Dan Vogelbach, the first baseman, injured, hamstring. Yeah, yeah it looked it looked like it, but he still scored a run, right? He, I saw he, he kind of limped. That <laughs> yeah, that didn't, that, actually, that didn't look very good from Arizona's perspective. No. You know, the guy, Vogelbach, Big guy runs rounds third base, kind of pulls up, um, and he just come to, kind of comes to a complete stop. But nobody in Arizona throws the ball home, so he kind of limps home. It was it was not the kind of look that you necessarily want to see from a team who had lost seventeen out of their eighteen games. It's so funny when we talked about it on what was it Tuesday before the series started. We right. said a team has to run into some bad luck while also being bad. That Vogelbach play last night is the shining example of how you lose 17 in a row right. plays it, like that. Right. It just It's sort of like, you know, it's almost like you're kind of just not trying. It's sort yeah. of that lackadaisical kind of approach. You know, yesterday we talked about the injury to, injury to the Brewers pitcher, Brett Anderson, who um, hurt himself running to first base. And we were talking about, is that a justification for maybe them thinking about the designated hitter? Because I, I just always go back to the Jimmy Nelson, who was the, the great you know, was on track for a really great career for the Brewers. He was their number one pitcher, starting pitcher, and he pretty mess, much messed up his arm. Um, one night, as I recall, they were in Chicago, and he was somehow on first base, and for some reason, he dove back to first base, leading with his right shoulder and screwed up his shoulder, and he's never been the same pitcher since. He was out of baseball, rehabbing for a year or two, and now I think he's coming out of the bullpen, maybe, for Los Angeles. But it was that injury. But at least the injury to Brett Anderson was an inadvertent thing he's running to first base and he hits the base wrong and he screws up his knee i gotta tell you i don't understand the hamstring injuries i understand the freak injuries but the the hamstring stuff you would think that if you're a professional athlete that to me that that's that's warming up and yet you see all these guys who who pull their hamstrings and stuff that's that's stretching them out that's warming them up that's to me that's a question for like the strength and conditioning coach about why do people pull hamstrings? Yeah, it's one thing when you break a bone. You, right. You know, you can't you can't uh, strengthen conditioning that really, but the, right. the muscle pulls and the hamstring pull or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, the, you, eventually you have to start looking at the training staff. Not to throw anyone on the bus, but eventually, right? Well, right. You would you would just think because that would be the type of thing that would be less likely to happen, and yet you hear those stories occurring all the time. In any event, um, the Brewers are in first place, tied with the Chicago. Cubs so and the Chicago Cubs are getting ready to start a 10 game road trip so this is a chance for the Brewers if they can put together some more wins to um, maybe put some distance between themselves and the Cubs and and would not that be great and by the way let me highlight something that is going on this coming Friday fans are back at American Family Field this Friday, Brewers fans fill it to the rafters. It's reopening day on News Radio WTMJ. Join us all day for live coverage from the ballpark. Then don't miss Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre calling the Brewers and Rockies game at 2.35. It's reopening day, sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited, Gruber Law Offices, and Holiday Automotive. I'm going to be out broadcasting from our big talking box, our remote mobile studio, um, my show is going to be. It's we're going to do it, do it earlier. I'm going to be doing the the eight thirty till noon shift, and then uh, John McCure is going to be in with an early edition of Wisconsin's Afternoon News from noon until two thirty, taking you up to game time. But it's going to be very very cool. And if you are coming out to reopening day, please be sure to stop off there. I, I, do I? I think it is so cool that this is happening. Um, the local newspaper had a story. Just to understand what these closures have meant to the local economy, um, the, the headline is, as the Brewers plan to fully reopen, the team expects to create 3,000 
3,000 jobs at American Family Field. 3,000 jobs. And, I mean, these jobs are, I mean, about 1,300 direct brewers employees, including seasonal workers. Another 1,200 employees are subcontractors that operate concessions and walk the aisles with beer and soda. And then there's other jobs like with the Brewers Community Foundation, the people who, you know, sell the 50-50 raffle tickets and the, the people who handle parking. It, it's just, I think... One of the things that has been lost in, in these shutdowns that have been ordered by government is the impact that it has, particularly on the, the quote unquote, the, the, the seasonal workers. And I'm going to use the phrase, the, the little guys and gals. I'm not talking about the people that are, you know, in, in the executive suites, but the folks that, that act as the vendors. And by the way, the vendors are back in the stands or will be back in the stands on Friday. And, and how great is that? And hopefully there's going to be full capacity. I know some tickets are still available. But it's grand reopening day, and you you want to get out. You want to have fun. And the other really cool thing about this is a lot of times, as I mentioned yesterday, when it comes to opening days, you, you know, at, you, the, the season is is unwritten at that point in time, and everybody is optimistic. And then the truth is a lot of teams just aren't that good. Well, here's the fact that we're almost to July 4th, not quite, but almost to July 4th, and it appears that the Brewers are probably going to be in first place or darn close to first place by the time the reopening day goes. So we've had a couple months of the season. You know the team is the real thing. You know it's going to be competing to get into the playoffs and go beyond, and that's a cool thing to be a part of. So we will be out there um, all day starting at 8.30, and if you're coming out to Grand Reopening Day, please stop by our mobile broadcast facility and say hi. Looking forward to seeing a lot of people and rooting the Brewers on to a great homestand and a great rest of the season. When we come back, why? I'll explain. We'll discuss. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So the other day, we, we had a conversation about the continuing requirement that you have to wear masks when you're on airplanes or on buses or on trains and when you are in airports. Now, generally speaking, those mask requirements have been lifted everywhere else, and there's pressure on the Biden administration to lift them when it comes to planes. Right now, the order is set to expire on September 13th. We had a discussion about it, and I, I will... I am of the position that it's time to remove that order and allow people to decide whether they want to wear masks or not. And some people are very upset about that because there's some people who just don't feel comfortable going out in public, period, much less on airplanes without wearing masks. There's a piece in the Wall Street Journal today. The headline is Dr. Fauci and the Mask Disaster. And it kind of goes through the math and it raises the question about whether or not the American public was really oversold on the value of masks to begin with and whether masking really did much to stop the spread of, of COVID. Now, I, I don't don't want to really go down that, that route because that, that's kind of ancient history and, and people have sort of made their own decisions about that. But now we are at a point where, in most cases, airplanes, trains, and buses notwithstanding, most places now, it's up to individuals to make the decision as to whether they're going to wear masks or not. The CDC guidance, of course, says that if you're vaccinated, there's no need to wear masks. Um, but we don't know because you're not required to, I don't know, have a, some sort of marking on your clothing demonstrating whether you're actually vaccinated or not, you really have no way of knowing whether the person next to you in the line at the grocery store or standing next to you in the bar or sitting at the table next to you in the restaurant, not wearing the mask, you don't know whether they've been vaccinated or not. Now, if you've been vaccinated, presumably your chances of contracting COVID are very, very rare and your chances of having you know a serious reaction are almost non-existent. But nevertheless, it is possible. So in any event, it's now up to individuals. And one of the things that I have been noticing as I am out and about, even though this is optional, I would guess, I would guess now, it, when, when the, this first came out, I would say it was about 60-40 in the places that I was going, people not wearing masks when masks had previously been required. Now I would say it's probably 80-20 
maybe maybe a little bit more than that. But there's still a, a decent percentage of people that I see that are going into grocery stores or hardware stores or 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 whatever, and they are continuing to wear the masks. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Some of those individuals are clearly people who have not been vaccinated as of yet. I see some young people that are in that category. But I have no doubt that there is a certain percentage of people who have, in fact, been vaccinated who are still wearing the masks when they go out in public. And I want to have a discussion about that. And again, this whenever you talk about this nowadays, you get the text saying, oh, you're just mask shaming. No, that's that's not what this is at all. I'm I'm the guy that says, go with God. I mean, if you want to wear a mask for the rest of your life, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, as, as long as, you know, the government's not requiring me to do this. But if you want to wear a mask because you're more comfortable, that that's fine. But for people who have been vaccinated, who are still wearing the masks, I have a question, and that question is, is why? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and there's no right or wrong answer. Again, if you want to you wanna wear a mask forever, vaccinated, unvaccinated, do, doesn't matter. That, that, that's fine. That's a matter to me of, of individual choice, and it's up to you to do it. But I guess my question is, why? If you have, in fact, been vaccinated why do you continue to wear the mask? If the primary purpose behind the mask is to prevent you from transmitting the COVID virus to other people, and that's what they say, that's the primary value of it, to prevent you from transferring it to somebody else. And if, if you've been vaccinated, so the chances of you having it are very, very slim, and the chances of you having it and being asymptomatic are slim as on a bus out of town, why do you still wear the mask? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. Jay in Menominee Falls. Jay, you're first. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. I do wear, wear a mask when I go out uh, in an area where I'm going to be exposed to a large number of people. I am fully vaccinated. But I have some risk factors, including diabetes, age, and high blood pressure. The vaccination protects you only up to 90 to 94% for Pfizer and Moderna vaccine. So it's not 100%. Mm-hmm. So seeing the state of the uh, union, so to speak, where everybody is not vaccinated, it makes sense to protect both myself and others. In, in wearing a mask in crowded areas. Okay, yeah. how long do you anticipate? How long? Do, how long do you think that you're going to continue to wear the mask? Um, assuming that COVID is not going to go away, and assuming that we're not going to get to herd immunity, how, how long do you think you're going to continue to do it? An excellent question. Uh, herd immunity should occur when 70 to 80 percent of the population is vaccinated. I fully intend to wear the mask all of this year in a crowded area. And then we'll have to look at the statistics and see what the number of cases is right now, how they've dropped down and what the incidence is, and make a rational decision. Okay. Uh, it's not very hard to wear a mask for a short period of time, and it cuts down not only on droplet, but also on airborne. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. No, thanks for calling. Again, this isn't this isn't mask shaming. It is it is a legitimate question because my guess is that there are the vast majority of people have put the masks away. Um, unless required to do so, like on a plane or something like that. So the, the people that are continuing to wear them or people that are making that individual decision, I understand the not vaccinated, but I am legitimately curious about the people who are vaccinated and are still making the decision to wear the masks. 855-616-1620. Michelle in Milwaukee. Michelle, good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you think? I'm fully vaccinated. My elderly parents are fully vaccinated. I still wear a mask because I don't know what germs I'm connecting from other people. I don't want to transmit them to anybody else. I am having surgery next week on my shoulder. I don't want to get sick before that. And the shot only protects you from dying, doesn't keep you from catching it with the new variants. You never know what's going to happen. And I'd rather wear it and be safe than not. Do you think you'll wear a mask forever? No, I would say maybe just through the summer and hopefully by then it'll get better if not i might continue to wear it but i'm working i don't want to 
transmit it to anybody else if I don't have to. Okay, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 855-616-1620. And again, that's not... I, you know, people make their own decisions on this. A couple of people are texting me saying, well, you know, it, it's not so much that they're concerned about COVID anymore. It's that they believe that by wearing the mask, it, it prevents them. It's helping them not get sick in, in other capacities. Oh, we're, we're not getting colds or we, we think it's less likely to get other airborne diseases and stuff. And I, I'm not saying that that's not a rational approach. I'm just I'm just curious as to, you know, how long that goes on. Rob and Racine. Rob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how you doing? Good. So, so I, I feel that um, that so you hear the stories of that people that are vaccinated can still catch um, COVID, um, and then the possibility of spreading it is still out there even if you are vaccinated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you can still spread it and catch it even though you're vaccinated, um, and but even though it ain't doing you as harm, you're almost if you're still wearing a mask, you're almost protecting those who are not vaccinated still. Even some of them who choose not to because of their own stupid reasons or those who choose to because of medical reasons. Um, my grandmother's 91 years old. They advise her not to get a shot because of other health lines that could lead to heart issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, prime example. So, those who are vaccinated, my family vaccinated around her still wears the mask around her because they could still catch it and mm-hmm. spread it. What about when you're not around your your ninety some year old aunt? I mean, what about just you're, you're going to the grocery store or you're going into the hardware store? You're just going about your your everyday life. Do you still wear a mask then? Um, I don't think so because of the fact that at that point everyone has a decision to choose to protect themselves out in public, and you're more in a public restraint. So in that case, you know everyone has their own choice. Yeah, and if you choose not to wear it and someone vaccinated happens to pass it to you and you are not vaccinated then you made that choice in life okay thanks for calling i now again i i and it's, see that that it, that one makes sense to me that on you know the occasion where if you're around somebody that is particularly vulnerable well then you know you're you're going to wear the mask i guess I keep coming back to the idea that, yes, is it possible for what to have what they call those breakthrough cases? That is, the person who's vaccinated gets it. Yeah. Is it possible that they might get the virus and then be asymptomatic? Yes. But that's a very, very, very small percentage. And then so then the question is, you, you get it. You don't know you have it, so you're asymptomatic, and then you pass it on to somebody else who has been vaccinated. I, I mean, again, the, the the numbers, the numbers would tend to suggest that that's while possible, that that is in fact a a rarity. But nevertheless, for people who want to continue to do it, I, I don't have an issue with it. And my guess is, moving forward, that. You know, I think that there's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 20 percent of the people who just simply make the decision that from now on, when they go out in public, for whatever reason, they are going to continue to wear masks. And that's a decision that I think is is fair. It's a decision that I think individuals have to make for themselves. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is no surprise, um, and I think it was inevitable, but uh, the Wall Street Journal has a breaking news story. You will remember that, and, and this this started with President Trump and then continued at an accelerated rate with President Biden, and that is the idea of, of pulling the U.S. out of, of Afghanistan, the concept that you can't get involved in these forever wars and that, you know, that to spend U.S. treasure, whether it's in terms of, of lives or money, at some point in time, you, you have to say enough is enough. I appreciate that sentiment. My beef at the time was it made no sense to me to to, to give a particular drop dead date. We're going to be out of there by September 11th because that just tells, for example, the, the, the bad guys that that gives them a, a feeling of flexibility and freedom to know okay well you know we can we can delay stuff or we can start ratcheting up attacks and things like that leading up to September 11th because we know that there's not going to be any sort of fear of retribution now interestingly enough the US intelligence community is a part apart from the military they were they were painting that this song and dance and this happy vision of don't worry the afghan government they can take care of this they're they're not going to they're not going to be in any sort of trouble the military assessment was completely and totally different now again i i don't know that this changes the ultimate calculation of 
is there a point in time where you just have to say we we can't be in a forever sort of war and, and pull out? But the U.S. intelligence community for the longest time was saying, oh, there's not going to be any problems. And the military was saying, no, there's going to be huge problems. Well, here's the deal. And this is the breaking story just today. The U.S. intelligence community concluded last week that the government of Afghanistan could collapse as soon as six months after the American military withdrawal from the country is completed. And the withdrawal is scheduled to be completed by September 11th of this year. American intelligence agencies revised their previously more optimistic estimates as the Taliban swept through northern Afghanistan last week, seizing dozens of districts and surrounding major cities. The new assessment of the overall U.S. intelligence community, which had not been previously reported, has now aligned itself more closely with the analysis that had been generated by the U.S. military. Yeah, the military said, look, you you pull out, you pull us out, and Afghanistan is not going to be able to stop. The government is not going to be able to stop the, the Taliban. The military has already withdrawn more than half of its 3,500 troops and its equipment, rest due out by September 11th. On Wednesday, Taliban fighters were battling government troops inside the northern city of Kunduz after occupying the main border crossing. Um, let's see. Uh, on multiple occasions in recent days, Government forces surrendered to the Taliban, leaving behind convoys of Humvees and stockpiles of weaponry, including artillery pieces, mortars, and heavy machine guns. Okay, what, what, what does that sound like? Well, all right, you, you, you get three guesses and the first two don't count. That sounds exactly, for people of a certain age, you know, what, what happened in Vietnam during the, the last several years where you had the, the South Vietnamese government forces who, who weren't fighting and in many cases who would either surrender or would turn over all their USA-made weapons and equipment, they, they turned them over, in that case, to the North Vietnamese. Sounds like this is precisely what's happening now where Afghanistan troops are just surrendering. They're giving up their guns. They're giving up their equipment. Um, d- does not look good. Now, um, on Friday... The president of Afghanistan is scheduled to meet with President Biden. Um, the, the thoughts originally were, okay, maybe they can hang on for a couple of years, but um, no, this is this this is looking more and more like Vietnam. What happened after the U.S. troops left, um, except on an accelerated sort of basis? And again, I, I the the question is. Yes, that is inevitable. Yes, it is true. But what are you going to do? I mean, the whole thing is unless we were willing to commit a a massive, massive ground force to that region and try to destroy the Taliban in its entirety, you got to get the troops back at some point in time. That region has been a mess for hundreds and hundreds of years and unfortunately it doesn't sound like it's any closer to having that mess cleared up if anything it looks like it's worse but keep in mind in the 1980s you know russia russia that was their vietnam when they got stuck after a what a five or six year war in afghanistan and eventually had to pull out we've been there not to the extent russia was but we've been in there a lot longer and it's unfortunately for the region I don't know that we leave Afghanistan any better than it was or any more secure than it was when we got started. And the new assessments are, are not pretty. Okay, when we come back, over 150 jobs are now open. I will explain and we will discuss how that happened. Stick around. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, I have an update on a story we talked about, well, once or twice over the last couple weeks. Um, in April, Houston Methodist Hospital began requiring vaccinations for its more than 25,000 employees across Texas. And the deal was that if you work in the medical system, or in particular if you work at individual hospitals, you, you have to be vaccinated. Now, there were exceptions if you had, and you could document that you had a medical reason why you couldn't get vaccinated, well, that's fine, then you'd be exempted from it. If you could document a valid religious reason why you could not 
not be vaccinated, that would be acceptable. And 285 of the staff were granted medical or religious exemptions. Another 332 were allowed to defer it in many cases because it in many cases it was because it was like women who were of childbearing age and they said they planned to get pregnant. So they were allowed to defer getting the vaccination. But if you didn't fit into one of those categories, the rule was you, you have to be vaccinated. And at this particular hospital, there were in the neighborhood of like 180 employees who refused to do it. So they were suspended first without without pay for two weeks. And they were told that if you if you don't get the vaccination by I believe it was Monday, you will, in fact, be fired. You might remember they filed a lawsuit and ultimately they, they lost in court. So the hospital was given the right to get rid of employees who didn't get it. And the update is that at least as of yesterday, 153 of the 178 employees, at least 153 of them, including nurses and other medical staff, were fired or resign Tuesday after refusing to get the vaccination. This is one of the first mass terminations since vaccination started in the U.S. this year. So, like I say, about 153 people decided, okay, we're, we're going to walk. If you're going to make us get the vaccine, we're going to take our services elsewhere. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think the hospital was right now, by say right, you got to understand legally, at least so far, courts say they have a right to do it. So you have a legal right to do it. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing to do, but they have the legal right to do it. Hospital says if you want to work in this setting and you don't have one of these valid excuses, and I don't mean excuses in the sense of that people are trying to shirk it, but you don't have a medical condition, you don't have, you can't document a, a good faith religious objection. You just decide, hey, I, I don't want to get it because I don't like the vaccine. I've got concerns about it. It's experimental, What, whatever that would be. Do you think that the hospital was right in firing 153 people? 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, and now feel free to disagree with this, I I think the hospital has the right to do this. And that is they can say, all right, this is the deal. It, we're, in a, we're a medical facility, and if you want to work here, you've got to get the vaccine unless you've got one of these valid excuses. At the same time, I, I think the employees then have every right to say, fine, all right, it's a free country. You make us get the vaccine. We're going to do what we just did. We're, we're going to walk or we're going to make you fire us or, or whatever. And you figure out how you're going to get people to replace us and do our jobs. But right now, this, in this hospital system, there's now 153 or more jobs that are open, including nurses and other medical staff, because People refuse to get the vaccine. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this is going to be kind of a unique situation because even in the medical field, the survey suggests that less than 10% of employers are going to take this particular position. So I, I don't I don't think that you're going to see this on a widespread basis. But the employer said you had to do it. The employees refused and have now been fired or have resigned. To me, that's kind of the way the system is designed to work. You got it. The employer gets to make the rules and you as the employee then get to decide whether you want to take your services elsewhere. Let's talk to Denise in East Troy. Hi, Denise. You're on WTMJ. Hi, how are you? What are you? I'm fine. What do you think? Did the hospital was the hospital right? Did, did this work out like it's supposed to? Absolutely. One hundred percent. And I work at a large hospital in Milwaukee and I have to have the flu shot every year. And if I don't get the flu shot, I choose not to get it. I can't work there. Right. That is, it's a mandatory thing, just like your other vaccines that you, you know, hepatitis, all those things that are there to help you and help the other patients that are there. And, you know, they have a choice. You don't have to get the vaccine. That means you don't have a job. And I pretty much guarantee every hospital soon is going to have this mandate. 
You, you uh, see, that's an interesting question, Denise. You, you think so because the, 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 the stuff I am looking at when they do survey, and again, it, it's easy to ask a question and then just get the response. The surveys I'm seeing saying they, they think only about one in ten medical facilities, and that that includes not just the hospitals, but you know, it includes. And the, the whole gambit of it. They say they think only about one in 10 are going to require the vaccines, I think in part because they can't get enough people anyways, and they're afraid if you start putting this vaccine in, you're going to lose a ton of employees that you're not going to be able to replace. Well, I, I mean, I, I get that. I understand that. But like I said earlier, it's, it's just like the flu shot. Yeah. I mean, you have to have the flu shot in order to work in a medical facility and they're not forcing you to do it. And, and if you have a you know reaction to certain vaccines, yes, mm-hmm. totally. You know, you get, don't have to. But you know, I right. don't know. I, I can see them eventually. I don't know how long. You know, that it's going to be mandated like every other vaccine that's required to work at a healthcare facility. Yeah. No. Thanks for calling. And you could you could very well be right. Like I say, I I feel it, it gets it gets tougher. When you talk about mandatory vaccines outside of the healthcare industry, you know, if you're going to say, okay, to, to work at a radio station, do you have to have a man? And I'm not an anti-vaccine guy. I got, I got my vaccine, but it gets to be tougher when you say, all right, to, to work at our restaurant, to be a server, you've got to get a vaccine to, you know, work at the radio station, to work at this insurance agency, you have to have a vaccine. It gets, I think, tougher to make the argument for the mandatory thing. But in the healthcare field, I, I get it. I, I understand exactly what's going on here you know you don't you if you're working as a nurse as a medical provider as a medical technologist or whatever you're going to come into contact with people who are more and more vulnerable and the, the last thing that a hospital system wants is somebody who comes in there to be treated for something or other you've got the cancer patient who's got the compromised immune system and they run into somebody who hasn't been vaccinated who's asymptomatic and gives them covid and bad things end up happening so i i understand the reason and by the way this is not this is not to beat up on the, the people who choose to get, not get, get, get vaccinated. I mean, we've talked about this before. I think that that's an individual choice that's made, but there are consequences that come from, from those choices. And, and maybe one of those consequences is, all right, if that's the policy that the hospital has, you got to understand it and you've got to realize that you might not be able to work there. So, you know, go find some other place to work. My guess is because it's so difficult to find people. Now, I don't know. I appreciate our first caller's position that she thinks that that's going to be the norm throughout the industry. And maybe, but it's it's not right now. And my guess is most of these people who are unvaccinated are going to have no trouble scooping up a job somewhere else, even in their field. 855-616-1620. But that doesn't mean the employer is wrong. To me, again, th- this is the system working as it's supposed to. The employer comes out with the rule and the employee decides whether they can live with that or not. And then if they can't live with it, Fine, you you move somewhere else. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I've been an RN for eight years. I don't like the argument comparing it to the flu shot. I work in a hospital that never required the flu shot. But if you didn't get the flu shot, they required you to wear a mask between November and March. Yeah, that's that, right. That That's... The, the hospital systems vary. The other thing, and, and I know it, a number of people are pointing it out on the text line, is the... And I guess we can argue whether in the real world it's a distinction without a difference, but the flu shots are FDA approved. The the vac- vaccinations for COVID, they're, they're under this emergency use thing. And, and a number of people are making the distinction that, hey, this is only an emergency use thing. We don't know what the long-term effects are. That's why this is different than the flu shot. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, if I'm in the hospital, I expect they will take steps to protect me. Um, every employer has rules and requirements. Plenty of qualified, caring people will take their place. Um, additionally, hospitals need staff. The vaccine will cut down on sick days for the employee. Jeff, I work at a nursing home as an RN. I do not see the COVID vaccination being mandatory, but then you will need to wear a mask at all times and agree to testing. Um, we have severe staff shortages 
already. Jeff, I wish my place of employment would do the same. I've heard all the misinformation um, from the guys that haven't gotten it. Um, it causes you to be infertile, makes you magnetic, and so on. I think it's time to clean house. Jeff, there seems to be unfounded fear among nursing and other staff. Physicians have overwhelmingly been vaccinated with possible variants out there and susceptible patients. It really is indicated. Um, I would not, however, apply this standard to other um, things. Jeff, it's not just like the flu shot because none of the COVID vaccines are FDA approved. And in my mind, that is a big difference. Well, that that's the ongoing debate. But as of right now, at least in Texas, court says that the company, the hospital company has the right to require people to get the flu shot. And the company, the hospital has now followed through with its saying, you had two weeks to get it. You haven't. You're gone. 150 plus people out of work. Will more employers follow suit? Stay tuned. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. You know, Mike Spaulding, it is amazing what, what a difference a week or 10 days can make. The, the Bucks, today's a big, big sports day here on WTMJ. We've got the Brewers, um, game against the Colorado Rockies, against, I keep saying Colorado, Arizona. They're playing Colorado on Friday, reopening day. So that game's coming up in about an hour or so. And then later on, you've got game one of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals between the Bucks and the Atlanta Hawks down at the Deer District. Uh, but, you know, one of the things is, re- remember after the first two games against the Brooklyn Nets, the Bucks lost a relatively close game in the first game and then just got blown out in the second game. I I don't know that there were too many people that would have given the Bucks chances to come back and win, you know, four out of the the remaining five games. People were just writing the Bucks off. Mike Budenholzer was already like packing his bags to move out at that right. point. Right. Well, yeah. that 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 was it. And of course, they they come back and do it. And I thought it was so interesting because now if you look at the Las Vegas odds makers, if you wanted to go to Las Vegas and bet on the Bucks winning the NBA championship, if you bet 100 bucks, you'd have to bet 100 bucks to get $105 back. So I mean, it's they are now the uh, almost odds on, you know, mm-hmm. favorites to win. And you know, ten days ago, people were saying, "Oh, they're they're dead." You're right; the, the coach is gone. It's just it's amazing how that works in sports. And and for people who are perhaps overconfident about this, you should remember that the last time the Bucks were in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, they played the Toronto Raptors. A lot of people thought the Bucks were just going to slaughter the Toronto Raptors, and we we know that that's not how it turned out. And if you remember, I don't want to bring the bad vibes because it's such a good no. day in Milwaukee. But if you remember, the Bucks beat the pants off the Raptors in Game Two of that series, and right. everyone was that we were like booking plane tickets here at TMJ. Oh. We were ready to go. And oh yeah, and then it just went. Well, down it, it is. It's you know, and which the point I always make too is that in some respects, when when you have the the blowout game, a lot of times if that's just a one off, you have to. It, it's not necessarily indicative because sometimes that that happens, and I think. You could make an argument that if you're going to lose it, it and it's just going to be a one game thing, you're almost better to lose by 30 points than you are to lose by one. Which brings me, did you watch that game last night between Phoenix and Los An- and the Los Angeles Clippers? Yes, I have. What a way to lose a game! How does that happen off an inbound? Right, like it's it just inexcusable. Right, for people who who might not have seen it, um, it's Phoenix. They're playing in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Phoenix is the, the the favored team. This is game two, and so Phoenix won the first game. So. If if the L.A. Clippers could have somehow won last night, the, you get the split. Then they've got the home court advantage. So they're they're ahead. They they the game is a back and forth sort of game. They are ahead. Phoenix has the ball under the L.A. basket with like point eight seconds left. And Jay Crowder, who's a Marquette you know Marquette basketball oh, yeah. player, Crowder is doing the inbound. But but there's only point eight seconds left. There, there's not. You know, typically what's going to happen is they'll throw it in and somebody will throw up a Hail Mary shot. And maybe it'll go in, maybe it won't. But they they diagram this play. Crowder like tosses the ball up at the basket and one of the other players gets a screen, breaks free, goes up and dunks the ball. 
I mean, it was, and and L.A. loses. I mean, that that was a tough loss. Not only was it some guy who who dunked it, it was their center. Like the one guy who's going to be able to most easily do that off an inbounds was the guy that somehow <laughs> right. And and, and you're, you're sitting there saying, okay, how how can and again, it, it's these are pros and and the the Phoenix coach just obviously drew up a good play and they threw some screens there. But it's like the guy with point eight seconds left. They let him dunk the ball. Now you needed it needed to be perfect. I mean, Jay Crowder needed to throw that perfect pass, like when they feed Giannis, and mm-hmm. and the the center needed to to get exactly the screen and time it just right. So it was it was the perfect play. But man, what a what a tough way to lose a ball game and to go down 0-2. This is actually interesting enough for the the Clippers. This is a third straight series now where they've gone down 0-2 in this playoffs. Right. So I guess a team that wouldn't panic would be them, but yeah, that was a heartbreaker last night if you're an LA fan. Right, that's the one where you you, you again say, gee, I kept thinking back to the second game that uh, the Bucks Nets series, thinking, okay, the Bucks just absolutely gotten blown out. Mm-hmm. I think you could make a strong argument that I, I would almost rather be blown out and say, okay, this just isn't our our night. This stuff isn't working. Then you play that hard game and then lose that heartbreaker at the end. But yeah, because it, you know they're just a little bit more rested when you come back for game three. You got blown out in game two. It was just kind of whatever. Let's just wash it. Right. It, yeah. Exactly. We we all have those. In this case, it's a bad day. These things are not going our way. Fine. In life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just like I'm gonna. I'll go home. I'll start again tomorrow. But um, hopefully that will not be the case with the Bucks. I think. Um, a lot of the smart money thinks the Bucks in five do not want to get overconfident, but I, I believe, just like I believe that the Bucks were going to beat the Nets, because at the end of the day, I thought they were the better team. Um, I didn't quite realize how good Kevin Durant was, but but I, I think they're the better team, and I think I think they're the better team playing Atlanta. So I, I think so too. I, I'm I'm looking forward to a finals trip. Like I'm 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 very optimistic that. The Bucks will at least make it to the finals. Uh-huh. Unless something bad happens, I don't see how they lose to the Hawks. I just don't. Well, I from from your lips to the sports gods' ears, <laughs> I'm I'm all in favor of that. All right, when we come back, um, th- there's something interesting that is going on in the mainstream media, and I want to use some developments this week to talk about it with you. Stick around. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The threat of inflation increases daily. How will it affect you and your family? Please join WTMJ's Steve Scafidi and Dave Spano from Annex Wealth Management for a live webinar, Summer School, How Inflation Affects Investing. All right, that's today, Wednesday, June 23rd at 4 o'clock. You still have an opportunity to register. Go to our website, WTMJ.com. All right, let me kind of back into this topic I th- this morning. Had a very interesting phone conversation. We have a new listener group producing the show today and always. Her name is Heather. All right, here, here's the deal. Next week, my wife is going to be out of town. And uh, because I, I want her and her friend, my dear friend too, Colleen, because I want them to come back into town, the, the day that they're scheduled to come back, I, I had to arrange transportation from where they are to the airport. And a lot of times we can find you know friends or people we know to shuttle us. But in this particular situation, I, I had to find a car service. It's just the way it works. So I call, I do some research, and so I call this car service, and I talk to Heather. And, you know, we're, I'm saying, okay, this is what I need. And, you know, somebody has to be there and it's, the flight is stupid early and all that sort of stuff. And she's like, no problem. So then I'm giving her the information. And she says, well, do you work for a radio station? And I give her like the email and stuff. And I said, well, yeah. And she says, you sound like you're like a radio guy. You've got a radio voice. And I said, well, I, I thanks, I think. And that's, so then we start talking and she says, well, you know, what, 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 what station are you on and what's the deal? She says, I love, I love talk radio. And I, 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 I she runs a car service. I, I listen to it when I drive around. So I give her the details. She says, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to be checking it out today. I, and I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, this is somebody who is, you know, halfway around the country. And I'm saying, well, you know, it's Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And she said, oh, no problem. I've got this. I'll just, I'll, I'll listen to it up on the satellite. And I was thinking, you know, that really is how this, this industry kind of has, has evolved that now with the stream and stuff, somebody halfway across the country can tune in and can check out the program and see if they, they like it or not. And I was thinking about in the, 23 years I've been at TMJ and the 25 or 26 years I've been doing a, a spoken word radio in this market. You know, how, how things have changed. And I always tell the stories about, well, you know, in the beginning, 
when when we when you would do a talk show, first of all, it, it was I mean, I started before car phones were a thing, much less cell phones. I started before car phones were a thing. The car phones were the, those the, these big boxy things that you'd plug into the cigarette lighter. I know I am dating myself significantly, but but that was it. And, and they, they cost a fortune. And a lot of people just flat out didn't have them. And if you were out on the road and you needed to call somebody, you pulled off and you found one of those payphone things. That that's that's how it was when when I started. And it, it really car phones changed the nature of of talk radio because before that the 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 people that would would call in tended to be people who retired, you know, who were listening at their homes and stuff. But once you had car phones, well people out on the road could call in and then of course, you know, it expanded to cell phones and everybody's got the cell phone, they became ubiquitous and that happened. Then the internet exploded and now, you know, we take a lot of phone calls. I still do that because I love talking to you, but also, you know, we get at least my show, in any given day, I will get on a slow day hundreds of texts, you know, people who respond in that fashion. So it's just kind of exploded. And it used to be that if you wanted to listen to the program, well, you had to be within the the radio signal of WTMJ. We were fortunate because we've got a large reach, other stations not as much so. But now, again, with streaming, you know, my friend Heather, my new friend Heather, you know, in the car service, she, she, can, she can listen. And so it's, it's really been very interesting to me to see how the the business you know ha- has evolved and how it, it changes and how you reach people and in general i think for radio it's been a good thing i think it's great that people you know can can listen to you halfway around the, across the country and and the fact that you can have people who are transplanted a lot of folks i know who listen to us are are people from milwaukee and we know who and we really appreciate it now you're you're down maybe in florida or, or you're in las vegas or you're in hawaii or whatever and you get a chance to listen because we're still the the home state or hometown or home region radio station and you get a chance to do that and and that's that's so very cool and it's allowed us to expand our reach that that technology and things has not been as kind to other mediums now i sent out a tweet about this the other day and i guess i didn't quite I didn't even appreciate how significant this was. The Chicago Tribune, which is one of the historically great newspapers in, in, in America, the, the Chicago Tribune, and I, I made note of this because just in Sunday's paper, they had they had goodbye columns from like three of their most prominent columnists, including a guy named John Cass, who's a media rarity. He's a conservative columnist. I always used to love reading John Cass's stuff. Well, all him and two other prominent columnists are gone. Apparently, what, what has happened is the Chicago Tribune was taken over by this this hedge fund called Alden Global Capital. They they bought Tribune Publishing, and what happens is in the past when this hedge fund has come in, their response is to just cut and cut and cut and get rid of people and and cut all the possible costs they can and run a bare bones operation and then either flip the business or continue to run it, but but with without you know a lot of the character that the newspaper used to have. So here's the deal. Apparently a about 40 people, 40 journalists, are leaving the Chicago's Tribune newsroom as part of a voluntary program. Because as soon as the hedge fund took over, they said, okay, look, you know, here, here's the deal. Anybody that wants to jump off the ship can jump off the ship. And if you don't take the buyout, you got to understand that your job might not be around, you know, three or four months from now. So more than a dozen non-union editors and support staff took buyout. 24 newsroom employees who are a member of the guild, that is the union, applied for and accepted buyouts. Um, there, there's, there's about 80 unionized employees left, but just just keep this that means just in this latest cutback you had about 20% of of the unionized workers that were left are gone including like i say a lot of these like prominent columnists and stuff it used to be that the reason a lot of times people would buy newspapers would be would be the columnists you know that the in chicago it was mike royko it that the famous columnists and, and you sit there and say okay this guy's got a column or this gal's got a column you know and it comes out tuesday and thursday and friday and we want to see what this person's thinking and and maybe you didn't always agree with them uh, maybe it was just again i want to listen or i want to read this because i i can't i can't believe that so and so has written these different things and stuff like that but it was the columnists 
it was that sort of intense local coverage that that made people you know want to buy the newspaper well now you know you, all that is going away now, i'm not saying they're not going to have columns in the chicago tribune but they're not going to have columns written by the the mainstays the people that were there for for decades they're cuz cuz they're gone our number is 855-616-1620 that is the accurate mortgage talk and text line look it, it's the newspaper business has always been brutal i mean the last the last 15 or 20 years has has been has been brutal it's not that people don't want information but it's that they don't necessarily want information delivered to them once a day. They want information when they want it. If you want to check the score of of the Bucks game, you don't want to you don't want to wait till the next morning when the paper gets delivered. You pull out your your cell phone and you go, "Hey, so and so, what's the score of the Bucks game?" And, and you find it out. And that's been the struggle that newspapers ha- have had. And so the the one thing that they were able to offer is, "Hey, we're, we're going to give you the local perspective. We're going to have these high powered." Col- Columnists. We're going to have people who write on the different beats. But but even that is becoming a luxury that at least the Chicago Tribune and a lot of other papers, they, they can't afford. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Five years from now, will there still be printed newspapers that get delivered to people's houses? Now, there's always going to be websites because people are always going to want that information. But if you don't have the columnists... And you don't have the big newsrooms to cover the local events in a community. I mean, is are, are people going to continue to pay for it? And I seriously question that. Will there be national publications like USA Today and the big newspapers like the New York Times and Washington Post? Yeah, but the Chicago Tribunes of the world and the St. Louis Post-Dispatches, I don't know. Bad, bad day for those of us who still love to read newspapers. And I think there's going to be more days moving forward. Are they going to be around? We discuss in a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff, it's so sad that newspapers are going away. My mom worked for the Milwaukee Journal, but I think with the Internet, newspapers will all go away eventually. And, um, well, I guess my, my point would be, at least the, the the physical delivered newspapers that, that come to people's houses, which cost a fortune to, to make, a fortune, you know, relative, but it's an expensive way to do this. And, and I talk to people under the age of 40, and seriously, I say, when was the last time you, you read a, a newspaper? Not not newspaper coverage online. That's a different story, but an actual physical newspaper. And I don't know that I think that there's anybody under the age of 40 that I know that regularly reads a newspaper. I mean, Maybe if they're at the barber shop or you're getting your oil changed or something. Yeah, but Melissa, is that your experience? No, that's my experience, too. I think, um, I don't know. I, I do watch the newspaper delivery person go by my house every morning. Right. So there's several people that still get it, but I don't. I, I mean, well, my, pers- personally, my, I, I haven't read an actual newspaper for quite a while. Well, I get the New York Times delivered Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and mm-hmm. I get the Wall Street Journal every day. But th- that's it, because like the Wall Street Journal doesn't have a separate, just electronic-only subscription thing. So you have to get it. Sure. And, and there's people in my neighborhood as well, but most of them, frankly, are, are older, older people, yeah, right? Me too. E- e- yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's the that's the dynamic. And I was I was just talking about what happened in the Chicago Tribune, where there was just a bloodbath. They have forty journalists, including oh. some of their most most prominent columnists are, are gone, and uh, it's at some point in time you wonder how how can you survive if the thing that was if you can get news anywhere and there's all these different websites, but the thing that made, for example, like a paper like the Chicago Tribune unique was you had these unique columnists who you know wrote knew about Chicago and had all these different sources, and they're gone. It's like okay, well, what, what's what's the attraction? What's the hook? Well, it's interesting to me that you would get you would you know release these people from the newspaper, but that's the content you need for online. So who's going to write the online content? Yeah, it's. I mean, I I really feel like you know with communication, it could transfer right on right online. Whatever you do for the newspaper. Write it for well, right. know, the, the website. But right. then, of course, the issue is how do you, and that, that's what newspaper, that's what, that's what everybody is struggling with, which mm-hmm. is how do you monetize it? You know, it, it's like, how do you, 
how do you convince advertisers? You you know you, mm. you you can say okay, this is what our circulation is. Put an advertisement in the newspaper. Or you know, the thing that really has killed them is is classified ads. I mean, there there was and again. I'm dating myself, but there, I mean, I can remember the Sunday newspapers, and, and there'd be three giant sections yes. of classified mm-hmm. ads. There'd be there'd be help wanted ads. That would be you know pages and pages, and then there'd be the the ads that where they're selling the where you know where where people are the car ads. You know, you'd have that huge section oh, of that sort of. Um, um, and, retail sales that are going on. Well, well right, and, yeah. and just the, like the classifieds and all those type of things. And now that people don't do that, that's not you go you go on the internet mm-hmm. if you want to find stuff. And the internet has really taken all the the classified advertising out. It's cut into the number of physical readers, which translates into the, the number. Of, I guess I think how much you can sell for advertising. It's it, it's a struggle, and I don't I don't yeah. have the answer. But I, I I love newspapers as well, and it, it's tough. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, speaking of newspapers, one of that's um, one, one of the former reporters, writers for the Journal Sentinel that I used to enjoy was Kathy Flanagan. Kathy, she kind of was able to extend her career a couple of years because she carved out this niche. She wrote about beer. You know, she was a, kind of a beer expert and, and, and wrote a lot of interesting columns. And I, I used to, first of all, she's a wonderful person. And secondly, I used to enjoy reading her column. And she, she left the paper a, a while back. And so there, there's not that kind of coverage and that in-depth stuff that there was, wasn't. But there's an interesting story in today's paper. St. Louis-based Budweiser is calling itself the official beer of up north. Wait, what? And it's a story that's written by somebody named Hannah Kirby. And they talk about, well, how you know, St. Louis is apparently you know, doing some advertisement. They're running some ads that are saying they are the official beer of up north. And then the the thing is, well, how can they say that they're the official beer of up north? Because don't you know, you know, you've got you've got Pabst, you've got Miller, you've got Central Waters, you've got all these different local things. I, you know, what what the beer, what is the official beer of up north is is not necessarily that interesting story to me because. Uh, the, the beer for up north is, is, if you're up north, is, you know, whatever beer you've got in your refrigerator. That would seem to me to be the, the case. But I think it does raise this other interesting and larger issue that I know we've discussed a couple times over the last 20-some years or so. And it's, it's always difficult to get an idea and a handle on this because, in some respects, it depends on where you are. And that is the question of what what is up north for if you are a Wisconsin resident or you are, I I guess, somebody in our listening area is familiar with Wisconsin, even if you don't live in the state, what what constitutes up north? And, And the reason I say this is because I have some very, very dear friends, you know, Nancy and and Jim, they live in Seymour. That is the home of the hamburger. I, as somebody who spent most of my life in southeastern Wisconsin, I, I think of Seymour, Wisconsin as being up north. Seymour is just a little bit northwest of Green Bay. I kind of think of that as, as being up north. I think of, of Door County as being up north. My guess is my friends Jim and Nancy, who live in Seymour, they don't think of Seymour as being up north. They think of, I don't know, Manaqua as being up north. And people who live in Manaqua probably think of other things as being up north. That's not up north. you got to go further. So I don't know that there's a right or right, wrong answer to this, but is can we reach a consensus here? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I don't. I don't want to necessarily debate whether Budweiser is the beer of up north or Miller is or Pabst is or Liney's or whatever. I, I'm more interested in the concept of what what is up north 855-616-1620 that's the accurate mortgage talk and text line can we reach an agreement or is this a continuing debate what constitutes up north 855-616-1620 we discuss in a moment welcome back to jeff wagner on wtmj 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. WTMJ is partnering with 101.7 The Truth for a special simulcast on Thursday afternoon, June 24th at 4. That's tomorrow. 
one Milwaukee. Our roundtable on race relations in our community. Please join John McCure and Sherwin Hughes as they tackle the issues that matter to you, the issues that matter to all of us. That's Thursday, June 24th at 4 on WTMJ and 101.7 The Truth. All right, this is an ongoing debate. I don't know that we're going to settle it, but a story in the Journal Sentinel talks about how Budweiser is trying to be called, call themselves the, the beer of up north. I'm more curious with the concept of what does up north mean to you? Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how you doing? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Um, What's up I, north? Actually, a few years ago, me and a friend, some friends had a conversation about this, but um, we all kind of came to with the mutual conclusion of north of Highway 29. Okay, so Highway 29, that's that's like, it's on the east side, that's like, oh, it's Green Bay. So, I mean, in Green, yeah, Green Bay yeah, through... North of Green Bay. Right. Runs straight across, you right. know, and kind of clips, right. you know, Wausau and all that kind right. of stuff like so, that. That's, so, above Green Bay, essentially, would be would be up north. So, that would be, that would include, you know, most of Door County and just everything beyond that. So, it's about half the state or so. that You would call that up yeah, north. Yeah, yeah, and that's where when you really take a look at it, that's where the the North Woods kind of really start too. I mean, yeah. that's you know what I mean, where they really kind of get more into a, you kind of fade away a little bit from pro, you know predominantly farmland and all that kind of stuff like that into oh. more of the okay the woods area. Okay, good like enough. That, state, so, so State Highway Twenty Nine, which runs east west across the state, and it it really it, it starts kind of in Green Bay, goes a little bit north, but then goes pretty much due west. And you're right, it runs through um, runs through Wausau and, and ends up in Minneapolis. So that's State Highway Twenty Nine. That's up north for him, for Dave. Uh, let's talk to John in Kenosha. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, how's it going? Real well, thank you. Okay, what's up north? Um, I, you know, I live down in Kenosha currently, and we always kind of, a lot of people around here consider the North being around the Wisconsin Dells. I'm originally <laughs> from Stevens Point, right. uh, Wisconsin, and we always considered it about Highway 8. That was right about where you would, you know, between, I'd say, Merrill and Tomahawk, where you kind of start seeing the, the farmland disappear, and you really start seeing the forest start to build in a little bit. Yeah, right. That's I mean, highway Highway Eight is is considerably north of of Highway Twenty Nine. Highway Eight, I kind of think of that. That's sort of like if you think of Rhinelander, it, it Highway Eight runs yep. through Rhinelander. So if you would draw a line straight across the the state of Wisconsin, with Rhinelander being that. So you think if so from Stevens Point, you're up north if you're north of Rhinelander. I would say that that would be correct. That was. Typically, because we spent a lot of time around the Tomahawk, Lake Nicholas right. area, that, and we kind of that was right where we kind of considered it. Right. Being, okay, we're up north now. We're <laughs> we're, and then further on, we started going to Saint Germain and areas similar right. to that, and that was you know right by the UP, and then we really considered ourselves up north at that point, almost borderline Ubers. Well, right, right, right. So, like, well, because um, you know the Highway Eight that you're talking about, it, it does. I mean, it, it ultimately terminates. In the Upper Peninsula, so you could, you know, you, you start in the UP and you follow Highway Eight, and and it's pretty much again, it's pretty much an east-west road. It it cuts a little bit south, but it's north of Highway Twenty Nine. Okay, eight five five six one six one six twenty. There's not necessarily a, a right or wrong answer to this. Okay, now a couple people are saying um, that for them it, it's Route Ten. It, it's S U.S. Route Ten. Now that's that's sort of a different one because <clears throat> I mean Route. Route 10 ends up in Manitowoc. Route 10, it, it would, on the east side of the state, it's Manitowoc, and then it kind of, well, it, it's it's sort of a, it moves kind of northwest as you go across the state. Um, but, uh, you know, you've got, you've got Manitowoc, so that would be south. Of, of Highway 29. Let's see, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, I consider up north to start near Anago, Highway 45. Well, I think Anago would definitely, I would consider that to be up north. Jeff, um, up north is Wild Rose, Wisconsin, which is about an hour west of Oshkosh. To be up north, you need to have big, tall pine trees and fresh pine smells. Jeff, anywhere they say pop instead of soda 
is is up north as far as I'm concerned. Jeff, north of Highway 10 is north at le- is up north at least in my opinion. Um let's see. Jeff, it should be where the snow belt is, which is Highway 8 um and north of that. North of Highway 8, we're starting to get a consensus. All right. Here's um one of our listeners from Marquette, Michigan. Jeff, in my experience growing up on the border, Wisconsinites seem to refer to Minocqua or Eagle River as going up north. If they're coming to my neck of the woods, it's almost always the UP. Jeff, up north is north of Highway 8. See, we're starting to get a consensus here. Northwest, up north is anything north of Wausau, said by someone who lives in southeast Wisconsin. We used to have a home in Minocqua. Everyone up there says that they live up north. Jeff, and up north is anywhere you live north of where you are at the time. When I'm in Texas, Oklahoma is up north. Well, geographically, yeah, geographically, that's true. Uh, let's see, Jeff. Up north is defined by past, um, let's see, past the tension line, and that begins where the gravel turns red. Okay, Jeff, up north is not so much a place as it is a state of mind. I, I agree. See, I, I think, you know, people can disagree about the location, but to me, when I think of up north, I mean, I, I think of Door County as being up north. I, I mean, I, I do. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of in the more rustic sort of thing. I would have a tough time arguing that, I mean, is Monaco up north? Yeah. Do I consider Rhinelander to be up north? Yeah. I, I definitely, I would definitely do that. Um, Jeff, you can know you're up north when you go into a tavern and people still are allowed to smoke. <laughs> I don't know, do they let anybody smoke anymore in taverns? Um, Jeff, I know I'm up north when my car says, welcome to Michigan. Grant in Wauwatosa. Grant, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, I just have a short story here, but my friend got a job transfer with the railroad. He moved to Thief River Falls, Minnesota. He loves to fish. So one day he's in the local tavern and he's asking the guys, where's the good fishing around here? And they all said, oh, you got to go up north for that. <laughs> and he goes, up north? Where, where am I now? They were talking about the Boundary Waters and, and Thief River Falls is way up there. Yeah. And he wasn't up north yet. Yeah, you got, right, he's not there. you you got to go to Canada. Thanks for the call. you got to go to Canada to be up north. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You know, regardless of, of how you define up north, I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of bud necessarily being consumed in some of these areas we're talking about. Jeff, my wife and I own a vacation property in Rome, Wisconsin, just south of Wisconsin Rapids on Lake Arrowhead. We refer to that as up north, even though it would be more accurately described as central Wisconsin. Realistically, to be true up north, a true up north destination, I think you need to be north of Wausau, probably north of Highway 8. See, it's interesting that the point that Texter makes. When, when I was a, when I was a kid, and did not realize exactly how big a state that Wisconsin was. And trust me, if, if it's, trust me, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a big state, at least as far as like geographic landmass. Um, my parents owned a lake lot that they never developed on, uh, what was it called? Lake Camelot, which is in, in Shawano, kind of by Wisconsin Rapids. And when we would go up there, there's no question. We always referred to that as, hey, we're, we're going up north. Um, no question about it. But but to me, I guess when you look at a map, that really is kind of more like central Wisconsin-ish. Jeff, up north is not necessarily a destination. Up north is a feeling that is very difficult to describe, but it's wonderful nonetheless. Jeff, I think it's pretty clear. Um, up north is Highway 8 and above. Again, that's kind of like, you know, draw a line to Rhinelander. Jeff, north of the line from Wisconsin Dells to Oshkosh is up north. My guess is there's a lot of people who kind of like live in, in Oshkosh who would say, what's that person talking to? We're, we're not in that up north category. Um, Jeff, to be, um, let's see, Jeff, to, let's see, why not just say go north? Literally, Johnny Horton went north to Alaska. (laughs) Well, okay, Alaska would be up north as well. Jeff, everyone knows you're not up north unless you're above Highway 8, where, by the way, the beer always tastes great. Jeff, up north starts wherever my kids get tired of riding in the car. Um, it also starts whenever you hear the child say, are we there yet? 
Well, I don't know. That that could happen pretty soon. Jeff, we live in the Green Bay area. We have property in Crivets, Wisconsin. We go there every weekend, and we consider Crivets to be up north. Well, yeah, I would say that. See, I don't have a I would agree. I think most people would say that Cribbits is definitely um, there. Jeff, to us, up north is Three Lakes. So there you go. That works for me. Jeff, um, if it's north of where I live in Waukesha, it's up north. My favorite is Watoma. Huh, I bet you a lot of people in Watoma don't necessarily think of Watoma as being up north. Jeff, Highway 10, I completely agree with as far as i'm concerned i'm from shawano raised a few blocks north of the old highway 29 shawano is not up north shawano isn't up north uh highway 10 is not up north as well i just um love it jeff the definition of up north is wherever you can find bait food and beer at a tavern (laughs) that's it if you pull into the you pull in the store and they've got bait you're all set okay fun conversation some more serious stuff in line for tomorrow we've got the brewers game with arizona coming up and then of course we've got the bucks first playoff game in the eastern finals coming up later on big sports day on wtmj i'm back 12 noon tomorrow when we do it all again have a great day go brewers go bucks